This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hey, this is nerd rapper Adam Warrock, and I'm at Legend Comics about to watch the new Age of Ultron trailer with everybody here, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat. A Ziggurat is a stepped pyramid that was built initially by the ancient Sumerians. We got asked that this week on the Twitter because Joe Patrick refuses to draw the untold tales of the two-headed nerd. I apologize for that. Deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the fourth birthday edition of THN. That's episode number 200, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 5th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not crash landing my antique Millennium Falcon on the fairway of the sixth hole of the Champions Club, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for Warpoint.com. They couldn't have just Googled. They're confused. It's our fault. Don't blame them. Don't you do this, Joe Patrick. Not on our birthday. You guys are all smart. Not on our birthday. I'm Joe Patrick. That's at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not getting sued by Marvin Gaye's family for my forthcoming and soon to be hit single with a video starring some of the hottest, hapless dudes you've ever seen. I am the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and I apparently do not pay attention to current events. Guess not. Do you know what that song is? Blurred Lines? Yes, yeah, I've heard okay. it. It made like $16 million. That's crazy. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Halo Gen number one and Descender number one. After that, we're going to review 10 more of this week's new comics from one of our favorite dwarf planets during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be discussing the newest Supergirls outfit with a few former Supergirls and discussing a couple of next week's comics. And finally, you'd think we hadn't done this 200 times already. I know. We're answering a question from one lucky listener when we play Ask a Nerd. But before we blow out the candles for our fourth birthday, let's take a moment to remember sitting in a tiny little comic book shop on Leavenworth Street behind a desk with microphones in our face, recording the very first episode. No, the first episode we shouted at your MacBook. Oh, that's right. That's we right. didn't even have a microphone. That's right. We just <laughs> we pressed our heads together and yelled at the MacBook. It was adorable. Four damn years ago. Thank you for sticking with us, all of you. I can't believe you still want to hear this It's been the worst ten years of my life. <laughs> and then we can talk about this week's big news. Big news. Hot on the heels of the Marvel Studios Sony deal, Latino Review is reporting that Sony has found the director of the new Spidey franchise. Every time we report some Latino Review, I picture this like breaking news with a samba beat. Cabin in the Woods director Drew Goddard is the man Latino Review thinks will bring Spider-Man to the screen once again. The Review, which is what I'm calling it now. I thought you called the Review, not the Latino. Yeah. The review is reporting that the film will be called Spectacular Spider-Man, will not feature yet another origin, and that Sony's planned spinoffs like Sinister Six and Aunt May, yes, it was real, have been scrapped. Which just sucks, because you know Sally Field was getting in shape for that one. <laughs> but as accurate as Latino review tends to be, don't congratulate Goddard just yet. The Captain America Winter Soldier directing duo Joe and Anthony Russo have just signed a three-year first-look deal with Sony. What's a first-look deal? I don't really know. I don't either. They'll be still making Captain America Civil War when this deal kicks in. Yeah. So Hollywood insiders listening, lay it on us. What the hell is a first-look deal? Obviously, we could also just Google it, but apparently we're no. a society no. of crybabies. That's right. So, Matt, is it Drew Goddard or the Russos, or is it all bull- because you were hoping to see a comeback for original Punisher director Mark Goldblatt. I don't know if that joke's appropriate because Goldblatt shot himself in the head after he saw his final product. That's not true. He's <laughs> alive and well. I guess I hoped he killed himself. <laughs> you mean there's a guy riding around on a motorcycle in the sewers with a samurai sword? I don't care if it's Drew Goodard or the Russos. Both are very talented. I think both would make a great movie as long as they're working closely with Marvel. And not so closely with Sony. <laughs> I, I mean, either one. I Now, Latino Review tends to get this stuff right. Well, you know, we got some guff for our, the last thing we did that features Latino Review because they cast such a wide net 
that they are wrong just as often as they're right. It's I just suppose. that when they're right, it's they're right. something big. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it does seem early and maybe this is just talk. Right. But they did just sign a deal with Sony, which leads me to believe since they worked on a Marvel project and Marvel went, hey, I think these guys would be good for the job. But the Russos are the front runners for the who will direct Avengers 3 and 4 rumor mill. Well, again, that's because it's not going to be Joss Whedon. That's rumor. Avengers 2 almost broke him. Right. But again, we're dealing rumors here. So who knows? Maybe that's maybe it is Whedon. Maybe he said, no, I'm doing it. I'm on board. Here's why I think it's Drew Goddard. I think Spider-Man should be more of a character piece. And Drew Goddard comes from the Joss Whedon school. Like he wrote for Buffy and Angel. Sure. And, you know, Cabin in the Woods. Kicked ass on Cabin in the Woods. You know, he's strong with dialogue heavy character work he was going to run marvel's daredevil show Mm -hmm. but he quit to go make this sinister six movie oh that's true i forgot about that so if they are scrapping sinister six it would be easy for sony to say look you're up yeah we've already got you signed on or whatever so i mean i don't know i like both of these we'll have to wait and see and of course we're gonna follow this one closely I apologize for this next story. I think it's kind of interesting, but apparently Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to make some huge announcement and never did. Yeah. You, hasn't he been saying this for like three weeks now? He said over a week ago, he said, big announcement in eight days. And by everyone's account, that was yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to check the internet right now while you start reading. Okay. <laughs> IDW has teamed up with Humble Bundle to offer a pay what you want assortment of up to 75 issues of the publisher's Transformers comics. Through March 11th, fans can go to humblebundle.com slash books to take advantage of the deal, which includes the first six volumes of Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye, and More Than Meets the Eye, 34 through 37. The more you pay, the more you get, including near-complete runs of the rest of IDW's Transformers line. Humble Bundles branched from video games into comics in 2014 with offerings from publishers such as Image, Dynamite, Oni, Boom, Dark Horse, and more. As with all Humble Bundles, buyers have the opportunity to split their payment between the publisher, the Humble Bundle administrators, and charity. In this case, Hasbro's Children's Fund. Joey, this kind of pay-what-you-want model seems like a no-brainer for fans, but you think it pays off for the publishers? Kind of strikes me as those old cardboard boxes full of candy on your honor system. <laughs> it's that cardboard cutout with the quarters like sitting right there. Yeah. You could have not only taken a piece of candy, but taken a bunch of quarters. Yeah, you could take all the money. It was just a little box with a folded over thing. You just reach in. <laughs> Confirmed. No word from Robert Downey Jr. Nice job, RDJ. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it was just like, today I'm having toast for breakfast. Uh, or there, Marvel was like, no, that's not happening, Robert. <laughs> yeah, you, we already told you we're not doing that. Right. You're not allowed to say that. Oh. You're not directing Avengers okay. 3. I forgot. I got to come to more of these meetings. I apologize. <laughs> so the Humble Bundle. I have been enjoying the Humble Bundles for video games for a long time now, and they're awesome. Humbo Bundo? Humble Bundo. <laughs> the Humbo Bundo. Humbo Bundos. <laughs> if pay what you want is $0, go for it. I don't know how this works, so explain it to me. I've never gone to Humbo Bundo. I've never gone to HumboBundo.com, <laughs> so I don't know how this works. Like, you can download video games for it and play in your PC? Or? Yeah, they're PC games. Uh, okay. They did have a few bundles for Android games. Okay. But yeah, so they make an announcement. They say Humble Bundle, whatever, and it's five or six games. Okay, so for comics, like here, it's a whole bunch of Transformers comics, and right. you basically get like C- they're usually, CBR files or, uh, or PDFs? PDFs. I don't know. I haven't okay. done any of the comics ones, but they're usually themed. Okay. Um, yeah, I've seen like them. Oni, Oni did a Scott Pilgrim one. So yeah. It was all Scott Pilgrim volumes. And I've seen them on Twitter. I follow them on Twitter because they announce like stuff all the time. Right. The most recent Humble Bundle for games was uh, black and white games, you know, like artsy black and white games. And so you go and you you can see what the average is based on what everyone else has donated. And so I think when I wrote this last night, the average for the comics was uh, $12 or something like that. That's awesome. If you pay more than the average. So if you pay $12.01, right, you get the basic pack plus the extra stuff. The more than meets the eye and the robots in disguise. Okay. And then they've added a third tier. So if you pay the average, if you play, pay just over the average plus $5, right. You will get, I looked at it. It is essentially the complete 
IDW Transformers run. That's really cool. Since the advent of More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise. That's really cool. For 12 the bucks. Dark Cybertron volumes one and two. Every issue of both series. Yeah, I mean, it's an enormous savings. Yeah, that's obviously. amazing. It's really cool. Not to mention the fact that We've reviewed a bunch of different Transformers comics on this always show. Always high quality. They're always excellent. And I know it sounds ridiculous when I say that out loud, but they're really, really good stuff. Right. The kicker is, if it wasn't enough to say, man, I can get all this stuff for 10 bucks or nothing if yeah. I want to be a jerk about it, you can decide to give all of the money to charity. Yeah, that's cool. You, you split it up between uh, a number of different parties. So you can say, uh, for my $10 donation, I want... Five of it to go to the Hasbro Children's Fund. Okay, but it is the charity of their choice, correct? It's whatever charity they're sponsoring for that particular bundle. So you can say, I want $5 to go to the Hasbro Children's Fund. I want $250 to go to IDW. Oh, so you split it up, too. And I want $250 to go to the Humble Bundle so that they can keep doing this. That's really cool. And yeah, and it's a a slider, and you can make some of it zero. You can make 100% of it to charity, 100% of it to IDW. Whatever ratio you want, it's completely within your control. That's amazing. Not to mention the fact that this is way easier than pirating these comics. If you want to go and try and pirate every single IDW Transformers comic, (laughs) you're going to do some work. Yeah. Just trying to find it. This is a great way to get it out there and make it easy for people and do to some just grab good. it. And yeah, do some good. I'm curious as to how it works out for the publishers. Yeah. Like how much they actually make. Or is when, it- when I looked at this last night, the bundle had already raised almost $100,000. That's incredible. Let's just say uh, it was split in even thirds. That's thirty three grand to IDW. That's incredible for just sending out digital files. Not to mention they're like, to people that probably wouldn't have bought them anyway. Right, and they're comics that they're probably not making any money on for the most part anymore. I'm sure they're out there in trade, but it's not like they're selling them by the pallet or anything. Yeah, I just it's a great idea. It's a great deal. I think everybody should do this. This is the first time that they've offered something that I didn't already have or really want to read. And so I'm jumping on this. The deadline is Wednesday, I believe, March 11th. And then there's another Humbo Bundo. Then there will be another Humbo Bundo. Cool. Finally, in more ways than one, get ready for the return of non-player. This week, Image Comics announced the return of Nate Simpson's critically acclaimed series with the second issue on June 3rd. Is it fair to call this the return of a series when there's only been one issue? Ha <laughs> ha! For those that can't remember what the hell non-player is about and me. who can blame you. <laughs> Here's the official description from Image. Non-player is set in the future and the future is dismal. That goes double for Dana Stevens. She's stuck in a dead-end tamale delivery job. I think it's tamail. And she's way too old to be living with her mom. But Dana escapes into the online fantasy world of Jarvath where she's an elite warrior. When she slays the wife of celebrity game character King Haramoth. Her victory seems all but guaranteed. That is, until the game spins wildly out of control. Issue 2 sees a wounded King Haramoth plotting revenge against Dana, while a police standoff at a Los Angeles fish market reveals a homicidal robot armed only with seafood. There's a lot going on here. Okay. (laughs) Simpson outdoes his beautiful and multi-layer debut with an even more ambitious feat of world building. End quote. A reprint of non-player 1 will be available on April 1st, giving readers... Plenty of time to get reacquainted with the series. That's April Fool's Day for those keeping track. (laughs) Matt, I don't remember a damn thing about this series, except that we loved it, right? Like, we gushed over it. We gushed over how absolutely amazing this guy's artwork is, and we reviewed it as such. I went back and listened to what we said, and I even looked at the issue of non-player that I have. But the story was confusing. In the sense that they were setting up a whole lot of stuff, right? Not that it was like poorly written. There was just a lot going on. Right. And then never delivered on it. And never delivered on anything. And here we are four years later getting ready for issue two. I find it impossible to be excited for this. Impossible. Non-player one came out in April of 2011. Yeah. I'm sorry, but... If there's any way to lose, we were a brand new babies. Yeah, we were a brand new baby podcast. We were, and I know we had a question of the week not too long ago, and we asked how long is too long to wait. And people said, "I, I don't care. I do care here because you're talking about this huge sense of world building and stuff. There was no world built. There was nothing. 
There was a bunch of setup. They laid some foundation. With some beautiful art, and then we got nothing else. I'm sorry, but I refuse to be excited about this. Will it be amazingly illustrated when it comes out? Of course. It's going to be beautiful, but I barely care. I think it's kind of silly to make an enormous deal out of it. Right. And when's issue three coming out? If you want to make a big deal, tell me in the solicit. Look, dude has four issues in the can, so it's coming. Right. And then we can read it and go, oh, right. We know the future for this. But I am not waiting another five damn years for issue three. I will be dead. I'll be dead. I guarantee it. (laughs) I'm dead before issue three comes out. I don't know. I'm conflicted because I I do want to see it continue. I did like number one, but the spectacle of of this like let's celebrate non-player two. Yeah, it, there's nothing to celebrate. No. a book coming out four years late. No, and that's not to take away anything from Nate Simpson. He's this incredible. Is all marketing, right? It is incredible, and he can put out that book whenever he wants it's his baby sure don't expect me to fall for the marketing yeah, trick though. don't expect me to be excited either Transformers! that is the big news for this week if you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I are discussing some of our other favorite forgotten comic book series that failed to launch like the untold tales of the two of nerd. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. That wasn't even, you know what? That's not even where I was going. <laughs> I, I wanted you to name some other, just like first issues that we never saw anything more. Of. Oh man. I can't, I can't really come up with any. There's right a now. million out there too. Like Battle Chasers and the end of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which hasn't even ended, but we've got a new one. Sonic Disruptors. (laughs) Sonic Disruptors, that's a good one. A miniseries so bad, canceled before it finished. Ooh, that's sad. Happy 200th episode, you guys. This is Carl over in Council Bluffs, and just want to say all the joking aside, um, my life is exponentially better on the days when I have new episodes to listen to. I can't think of anything else that brings me as much joy in my life uh, without paying for it as your show. So thanks for all the effort and time and love and energy you put into the show. And uh, keep on trucking. Thanks. Every Sunday, the gone but not forgotten Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking listeners this week? This week's question comes courtesy of Jason Sachs, and I didn't even put it together, but it's kind of apropos for the last news story. Apropos. Apropos. <laughs> what obscure comic, old or current, do you love? Pitch us why we should look for this comic in the quarter bins or add it to our pull lists. Now, we're talking obscure. So this is just Sachs. Setting himself up for the craziest for his, answer For ever. his, right, his brother power, the geek yeah. style. This is going to knock that one the out of the The green team. <laughs> yeah, Sax, I'm on to you. The green team. Don't come at me with your hitmans or your... No, let's get weird. Yeah. Let's get real weird. Something that you think that you're the only person on the planet that's ever read it. The Cowboys of Moo Mesa, for example. The Defenders of Dinatron City. <laughs> Giant gangrene jujitsu gerbils. Space Beavers <laughs> by Derek Robertson. Sinja. We can do oh, this sh- all day. <laughs> mm. You have until 5 p.m. No kidding. 5 p.m. You know who you are. It's a hard number. We are eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, we're Saturday morning. Done making exceptions. We're getting too many calls as it is. Listen, we love you guys. It's a great problem to have. We are happy about it, but we got to stick to these rules or else we'll never get to go home to our wives. It's true. Five o'clock central time is the deadline. Friday, March 13th. You can call and leave a message using Skype. The Skype panels to it at nerd. All one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, two minutes. New rule, guys. Two minutes. We're not trying to be jerks about it. No. But you don't need to fill the whole time. No. Short and sweet. (laughs) Short and sweet, guys. We want to hear from you. We want your opinions. We don't want you to just say, hey, my favorite is this. Okay, bye. Yeah. But let's all be real. Two minutes. We don't need the full length. One thirty, even better. Huh? If you need more time, that's what the forums are for. Go there. There's a question of the week section. Right to your heart's content. List off a million different things. 
for your answers for the show. Pick one. One. Just one. But you know what? I'm going to put this out there. For our Spanish listeners, uno. You can put whatever <laughs> you want in the call. Just be prepared for us to edit it. For our German listeners, ein. Even if you have doctored it up with music and production. For our Japanese listeners, each. We are going to edit that shit if we think it needs it. Right? Each. It's review time on THN. We're Matt and I smear frosting from our grubby little hands all over two of this week's comics. Matt, wipe that birthday cake off your face and tell me what you reviewed. My review is of Halo Gen from Boom slash Archaea, written by Josh Tierney with art by Afu Chan, who kind of sounds like a kung fu master to me. <laughs> sci-fi comics are hard to write, folks, but even more difficult is the first issue of a sci-fi world. The writer has to set the stage, introduce the rules and general state of the setting, and then not only introduce characters, but make jerks like me care enough about them and all the other elements to come back for issue two. Writer Josh Tierney had four books of his online Spira series published at Archaea, none of which I've read, but they've all been very well received. Here, he teams with Spira artist Afu Chan for a four-issue miniseries that follows Rel, an agent working for the Halo Gen organization sent in to investigate the dead body of a god that recently appeared in the galaxy. Here, Tierney drops us into the far future, but cleverly starts the story with a setting five years ago, which I really liked. We don't actually get a date as to when this takes place. A group of cultists predicted the death of their god, Dethuva, and retrieved the body, only to commit suicide a few days later. It's a great start to a sci-fi mystery. Hooked me instantly. Rel works from a giant space station named City Ship Q, a two-part city with the wealthy section living on top and the poorer section sort of on the bottom, outstretching. Like a coin. Like two sides of a coin. Without getting into the politics of the station, Tierney sets up the status quo in one page, saying that the higher level is the flower where the rich live, and the lower level is referred to as the root. Rel is an accomplished black female agent that wears a hollow suit, it allows her to project very realistic holograms. It also projects a halo over her head, presumably because the name of the agency she works for is Halo Gen. Tierney's dialogue is pulp noir driven and devoid of the annoying future speak used by so many other writers working in future sci-fi. There's what seems to be aliens living and working with the human population, but again, Tierney doesn't allow the story to get bogged down in the details of other races or the politics of how everyone came to be together. We're just dropped into a story with humans, aliens, and robots all working towards separate goals that we learn through dialogue and mission briefings instead of massive info dumps. There's some real humanity here, too, in a scene where Rel is dealing with a rogue and malfunctioning female-looking robot. It's an interesting conversation where they sort of set up the idea that robots and, well, not just humans, we'll say robots and carbon-based life forms are working against each other for reasons that they don't totally understand. So there's definitely a conflict going on here between the two. The mystery of Detuva has something to do with it, and that's Rel's job to figure it out. But she has this really interesting conversation where she says to the robot, if you're a machine and your masters don't care, why do you look like a female? And it sort of becomes this philosophical idea that they introduce really well into the book. Chanzar reminds me of Michelle Fifa's work on Copra, but more refined. His characters of all races and even the robots show real emotion. His, he has backgrounds that have depth without too much detail. His colors form a really cool, glowing, and almost washed-out ambiance. It reminds me of scenes from the inside of control rooms and spaceships from sci-fi films I love. All in all, I thought this is a really cool premise that never loses sight of the bigger narrative. The characters and the world they live in, while huge in scope, felt well-established and very believable. The solicit said, and I agree, this was great for fans of Rocket Girl, Prophet, and The Fifth Element. I'm giving this a buy it. Halo Gen number one is a comic book that I read this week. It's true. Two times. Two times. Yeah. I read it two times as well. I'm not thrilled with it. I'm not. Tell it, us why. The first time I read it, it was very late. Okay. So I under, I accept that that is my failing. The second time I read it, I felt like Tierney introduced so many different things into this world that I wasn't sure what I was supposed to focus on. I wasn't sure what the story was supposed to be. I thought that it was needlessly cluttered with jargon, not future slang 
all this tech speak about the Halo suit and the dead god and and Halo Gen and this guy with a weird name and that guy with a weird name. It doesn't hold your hand and and I respect that, but it was so bogged down for me that I found it kind of unfocused. The second reading, I liked it better. The art, without a doubt, is gorgeous. It's very I really cool. enjoy the art. It's very cool. But I could not latch on to anything happening in this comic. Nothing. Hmm. I'm giving it a skim it because, like you said, it's it's well done. And obviously, their world. he's got this world very fleshed out. I just, too much too soon? I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into it. Well, we all know that you a dummy, though, so. I'm a dummy. <laughs> Joe Patrick, tell us what dumb comic book you read this week. This week, I'm rapping about Descender, number one, from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Dustin Nguyen. 30 pages, $2.99. What a steal. After a devastating attack by planet-sized robots called Harvesters, humanity has nearly been wiped out. And all robot kind has taken the fall for it. An incredibly lifelike artificial boy, Tim, 21, may hold the secrets to the origin of the harvesters deep in his machine DNA. And as a result, is the most wanted robot in the universe. I believe they like to be called robots. I've been looking forward to this series ever since it was announced at last summer's Image Expo. I think this is Jeff Lemire's first writing for Image and it already seems destined to be the most popular thing he's ever done. Sony picked up the film rights to the property two months before this issue hit the stands. Thank you, Matt Bomb, for pointing that out from the bathroom. Thankfully, Descender number one totally lives up to expectations. Lemire and Nguyen begin the story just before the Harvester attacks. Humanity has spread into the galaxy as part of the United Galactic Council. Dr. Jin Kwan is called in to investigate the appearance of these monstrous robotic sentinels just in time to witness one wipe out four and a half billion lives. Ten years later, and Kwan is washed up, working with the occasional bounty hunter on the sly, when he's called upon once again, it seems his theories about robot life hold the key to unraveling the Harvester's mysteries, and their origins may lie in the very robots that he created. What a jerk! I don't think he did it on purpose. <laughs> Lemire's story is very cinematic and very sweeping. We're only introduced to a few characters here, but the writer introduces a huge number of ideas that create a picture of the universe Descender inhabits. Lemire peppers the book with informational captions taken right out of the pages of Encyclopedia Galactica from Legion of Superheroes. And I think I read an interview where he totally cops to doing really? exactly that. Where he's like, I see. I didn't know that. Yeah. We're not given a lot of time to get attached to anyone or anything in particular, but this first issue does a great job setting up what kind of ensemble series Descender will be. My only complaint is that the reveal that Tim is a robot isn't really a reveal at all. It's right there on the cover and in every piece written about the series since its announcement. But the page where Tim's true nature is shown for the first time is so great that it would have been nice to keep that bit a mystery until now. Agreed. Now, you might be thinking to yourself right now, hey, Joe, you just said a bunch of stuff that sounds exactly like what you said about Halogen. That's where I was going to go. <laughs> the difference between Halogen and Descender is that Descender lets the ideas breathe. He gives them room to breathe. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And when I say he introduces a lot of ideas, I mean it's like one every few pages, not one every few panels. I didn't think there was that much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a new thing to focus on or think about every few panels in Halogen. Okay. Okay. Stay on target. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, with with Descender, Lemire, I don't mean this as a direct comparison, but it's like Independence Day, right? Okay. Where they introduce you to all of these different moving parts, but they go back and forth between them seamlessly and they all kind of come together for one larger story. Just curious why you picked Independence Day. Because it was the first thing that popped into my mind. Um, deep like Armageddon, for example. No, no, Armageddon doesn't do that. Deep Impact, though. Okay, Deep Impact, Dad. All right. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an ensemble cast, and they're not all necessarily all in the same spot. Okay. And Like a Robert Altman film. Sure, yeah. And so there's just a lot of room for each thing to kind of stand on its own before moving on to the next thing. Like uh, Dr. Kwan gets several pages dedicated, dedicated to himself. The history of the harvesters and their attack get several panels and pages either 
in the moment when it happens in in the flashback scene or later on when Tim is learning about it via news flashes yeah, or whatever. Hollow vids. Hollow vids. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Visually, Descender is the best looking book on the stands this week. Dustin Nguyen's beautiful watercolor work transports you to every different setting the book visits from the Apple Store-esque cityscape of pre-harvester Nirata to the stark desolation of the abandoned mining colony where Tim sleeps. His character designs are amazing, especially the diverse team of alien bounty hunters that appear later in the issue. You can really tell that Lemire and Nguyen spent a lot of time planning the mythology of Descender. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I am too. This was just beautiful to look at. And I really liked how Wynn left some of the panels almost unfinished, just sort of let the watercolor bleed a little bit to give you this sense, like when they were in the spacecraft and they were taking off from whatever planet the doctor was on. Yeah. It, it was a cool effect because it mimics that idea that like, well, we just left the atmosphere and the sun is glaring through the window, but he just sort of left the panel of slightly unfinished. So it looked like it was glowing and the colors just kind of like faded a little bit. Yeah. Really and see, cool. Effect. And I read that as it's the future. Everything's super nice. It's like the bridge of the JJ Abrams enterprise, right? right? Where sure. everything's sleek and white. And if it wasn't for that little seam right there, you wouldn't know that that's a console. Sure. Well, but then like the next panel, like when they're showing like the mining colony stuff, it's dark and it's detailed. And right. like, it's really cool the way that he separated that. And yeah, the bounty hunters in the end, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought they looked great. They looked really cool. And before that, we really hadn't had any strange looking alien life forms. I I went back and looked because they were in there. I went back and looked because I wanted to remind myself if there were and there were aliens like in the background. Yeah. But it wasn't a big deal because they were just kind of like Star Trek looking aliens where they were still pretty human looking and humanoid. Yeah. yeah. Where these guys in the end look and scary man they were cool (laughs) but yeah this is a giant buy it It, it's just it's two guys working at the top of their game on something they obviously love and i really hope sony pictures can do something cool with this (laughs) fingers crossed but hey huge buy it for me you can really tell why this got snapped up so early yeah so that is a buy it and a skim it for halo gen number one and a double buy it for descender number one As always, we want to know what you robotics experts and hologram-wielding agents thought of these comics, so commune with your favorite machine and make it crap out your electronic opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. You know what? Speaking of machines. What is up, Two-Headed Nerd? This is Steven Fierro. I'm calling in to just say congratulations on the big 200. Uh, You guys deserve it. You guys kill it week after week. And I've I've been loving it. I've been listening for about two years now. And you guys have helped me de-stress so much during college. I graduate in May with my bachelor's in nursing. And this is the most stressful semester. And it's great to be able to come home after a hard week, put on the two-headed nerd, and just kind of de-stress and just think about comics, uh, the, the thing I love in life. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for everything that you do. Question of the week every week and keeping up with the podcast and uh, giving us the forums to be able to talk to each other. Uh, You guys are just, you're doing it all and you're doing it great. So congratulations and here's to another 200. See you guys. What better way to enjoy our fourth birthday than with a space cruise courtesy of our buddy Space Ghost. We'll be heading to everyone's favorite dwarf planet, Ceres where we'll high-five the Dawn spacecraft during its mission to learn more about the little planet that almost was, all while we review ten more of this week's new comics during this birthday ludicrous speed round! Ludicrous speed! Go! Never boy, number one from Dark Horse. Writer Sean Simon brings readers the story of a former imaginary friend that has replaced the person that thought him up through medication. As long as he's taking pharmaceuticals, and it seems like any will work, he's anchored in the real world. It's a clever enough story, but this issue never quite sold me on the idea. Very loose and interesting art by Tyler Jenkins, but just not enough here to really make me buy the premise. Giving it a skim it. Disagree. I loved it. Did you really? When it got to the end and they finally revealed his true nature, I was like, 
you got me. See, I was just like, wait a minute. So he just takes like Alka-Seltzer and he can stick around or what? <laughs> Who knows? The big con job, number one from Boom. Jimmy Palmiotti and former Newsarama writer Mike Brady team up for an Ocean's Eleven style heist. If Danny Ocean and his crew were a bunch of washed up sci-fi stars living off of autograph sales on the convention circuit. Clever idea and Domo Stanton's art is great, but Palmiotti and Brady go overboard setting up the plight of the crew almost as if they were writing it directly to the Mark Singers and Lou Ferrignos that might be reading. Ooh. For example, not that those guys aren't professionals <laughs> that deserve their fame. Don't come punch us in the face, Mark Hamill. They were the first two names that came to mind. Yeah, I did Mark Hamill instead of Lou Ferrigno. I gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. What sounded like a fun take on the caper story in theory ends up being really dour and depressing in execution. Like, these guys' lives are bad. So it's more like Peter Mayhew's life. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Skim it. Big Man Plans, number one from Image. Goon creator Eric Powell co-writes along with Tim Welsh and illustrates what is the single meanest, darkest, and f***ing kick-ass issue I have read in a long time. This is the story of a dwarf who grew up in the late 50s, transferred from one foster home to the next after his father's death, sent to crawl through the tunnels and murder the Viet Cong during the Vietnam War, only to return home to a country that continues to ridicule him for being short. Now it's time for him to get even with every motherfucker that made a short joke. Eric Powell's art is as perfect as ever here, and I love the aged paper look that he gives to the flashback scenes. Word of warning, there is full frontal dwarf nudity in this one. <laughs> I know it's still early in the year. This might get my golden Beppo for best single issue, and it's not just because I'm short too. Buy it! Now you sure? It was great. Okay. It was really great. Project Superpowers, colon, Black Cross, number one from Dynamite. Warren Ellis and artist Mike Worley take their shot at the latest revival of the Project Superpowers line, and it's kind of a mixed bag. There's a compelling mystery in here somewhere, but I couldn't really find it through the very heavy and very gritty shading covering every single panel. See, I thought maybe that was just like the digital preview that we got. Nope. But then I it looked is, at the book and yeah, it's, it, it's dark. Just, it's like he got a pack of like Zipatone or a Zipatone brush for Photoshop or whatever and just was like, wee! Yeah, see, I took it as like he was working on a charcoal drawing and then stopped to draw this comic book with charcoal all over his hands. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to like this more than I did, but I'm sticking around for now to see where Ellis goes with the story. I'm giving it a skim it. Princess Leia number one from Marvel. Mark Wade steps up in the female-controlled comic book world to show that a man can write an empowered woman as well. Take that, girls! <laughs> <laughs> Do not send us any emails. <laughs> he writes Princess Leia exactly as she should be. A badass freedom fighter with no use for her royal title and little care for what others think of her. Terry Dodson is excellent on art here, and I was a little worried because Terry Dodson is known for drawing some pretty sexy ladies, but he does not hypersexualize any of the women in this comic. I say women because we meet a new female pilot named Yvonne, who doesn't agree with Leia's disdain for the old royal ways. This was another extremely solid entry into Marvel's Star Wars stable. I can't give this a bigger buy it. I did. It was good. I expected this one to be the one that I cared the least about. And also, it does not hinge on uh, whether or not you read the other ones, like not at all. Darth Vader and Star Wars. Are I very should mention connected. this is a story that begins right at the end of Star Wars Episode Four with. Han, Luke, and Chewie receiving the medals. Go. It was right. great. Yeah, loved it. Spider-Woman number five from Marvel. Don't let the number five on the cover fool you. This might as well be Spider-Woman number one, and it probably should have been. They mishandled this so badly. They, ju they just, they didn't have confidence in their own. Come on. Dennis Hopeless and new artist Javier Rodriguez really turned a corner with this series. You don't need to have read the preceding issues to jump in here. I recommend that you skip them. Not that they're bad, but you're not... It's just... There's no point. You can read them if you want to know what's going on in Spider-Verse. If you are reading the rest of Spider-Verse... And you liked it. If you're not reading the rest of Spider-Verse... Don't bother. Spider-Woman 1 through 4 <laughs> will be meaningless. Do not bother. It's well worth your time and money to jump in here. It's the Spider-Woman Ben Urich team-up that I didn't know I wanted. Buy it. And if you're one of those guys on the internet that's bitching that her boobs aren't big enough and they're not drawing her naked anymore, shut up. Yeah, really. Guardians team up number one from Marvel. It's been quite some time since we've seen Art Adams pencil an entire issue. 
but this wasn't exactly what I hoped for. Yeah. Some panels were vintage atoms, while others looked unfinished I at think, best. I don't think this was inked. I yeah. think he penciled it and then they that colored feeling. it. One in particular sees Sunspot's arm disappearing for reasons that aren't clear at all. <laughs> The story is fun enough, though. The Guardians head to Earth with the Chitari in chase, and we see the return of another of Thanos' relatives, right? She's one of Thanos' Nebula, relatives? Yeah. yeah, well, she... Co- oh, spoiler alert, Nebula shows up. <laughs> guess what? I was trying to keep it quiet. <laughs> they telegraph it. Big time. It's so obvious that it's Nebula. For me, this was like, hey, you saw the movie, right? Yeah. You saw the movie, it right? It was like, hey, Avengers movie villain. Hey, Guardians movie villain. Right. I'm on board. Uh, but yeah, it, it was unfinished. It was unfinished art. Yeah, definitely unfinished art. And it kind of made me feel weird. But you didn't skim it because it was well written. But uh, in the comics, Nebula uh, always claimed to be the granddaughter of Thanos. And Thanos was like, I don't know, no Nebula. Okay, whatever. (laughs) There you go. So, if you love Guardians and you want to read some more, you can. You don't need to. Monster Motors, The Curse of Mini Van Helsing, number one from IDW. What the hell is this? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Following that one shot from last year that you probably didn't know existed. No idea. Nope. Brian Lynch and Nick Roche return for another gripping saga of machines possessed by monsters. Or machines that are monsters. Okay. Sort of like Maximum Overdrive. Kind of, but it's like it's in this, like, they just got done defeating the evil villain Catalacula, oh. which I think is hilarious. Wow. I can't wait for the Vandroid team up. Yeah. <laughs> really be something. Whoa. <laughs> you just you just broke it wide open. There you go. It's goofy. It's kind of fun. Roche does a good job on the art. The car puns, though. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> It's like a team of super cats where all they do is make cat references. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a bizarre, but pretty decent story that would probably be a hit with the younger crowd. I'm giving it a skim it. Okay. Hey, I mean, it's it's certainly not bad, but you really d- do feel like you came in halfway through the movie. <laughs> okay. And you did because you did not read that one shot. No. Robert Heinlein's Citizen of the Galaxy number one from IDW. Citizen of the Galaxy is probably an amazing sci-fi novel by Mr. Heinlein. We can all agree he is an amazing sci-fi writer. The comic adaptation, however, not so much. This was mediocre art paired with what was probably snippets directly from the book smashed into comic form. There was so much narration and gigantic word balloons, including a line that I laughed out loud when reading, where one of the characters says to the other one, I'm going to Renshaw you if I have to beat your silly head in. This is a father speaking to his adopted son. Renshaw? (laughs) No part of this worked for me at all. And some of it, like I said, came off as laughable. It just goes to show that some stories are better left alone. Leave it. All new Hawkeye, number one from Marvel. Can we all agree we are done with this all new bullshit? Yes. I am beyond annoyed that this comic came out before the conclusion of the Fraction and Aja run, but I understand that Marvel is in a tough spot, and they couldn't hold off on this book forever, I, especially not for one dude. I really want to get the dirt on what happened with Fraction I kind of why don't, he's dicking them over. I like really this. don't want to know. <laughs> Thankfully, you can read All New Hawkeye number 1 without fear of spoilers beyond the obvious, like Clint and Kate making it out of the last series alive. Oh, I read that as Clint and Kate making out. No. I was like, whoa! <laughs> and I highly recommend that you do jump into this. Jeff Lemire takes us on a very personal trip through Hawkeye's past while he fights Hydra in the present alongside Kate Bishop. The art by Ramon Perez and Ian Herring will stop you in your tracks. The tone is a little different from what Fraction and Aja were going for, but rest assured, Hawkeye remains one of Marvel's best books, and I have high hopes for this new creative team. This is way more superhero-driven, right? It's a little bit more action-y, yeah. Okay. And seriously, if it wasn't for Descender coming out in the same week, there would be nothing better looking than this comic. Hey. Buy it. Fashoom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and fashoom is the sound of one sassy space lady. Jill gave it away, it's Nebula. Exploding the Guardians and the Avengers, as seen in Guardians Team Up number one. And don't forget to explode your reviews all over the this week's new comic section of the THN Forum. Gross. Yeah, right? Ugh. Hey, Joe, man, it's Chris Mo calling in. 
Turns out those, uh, that Irish family you adopted me to, a bunch of Irish gypsies, and I've been uh, held incommunicado for months now in Belfast, and if it wasn't for Sean X and John Luttrell forming a team that would put the Avengers and Justice League to shame, that's right, the THN All-Stars. You know, we had our changeling, uh, first time, long time, Drunk Elise, amazing Spider Brad, Lord Steven, Master Coin, my cousin Hebrews, and, uh, you know, some B-list guys, but they're coming up, junior guys. But uh, they all had to Ireland to bust me out so I could give you guys a big congratulations on your recent milestone and say, you guys are awesome. You make it worth living for us listeners, so keep on keeping on, boys. This week, we've redecorated the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to host our own episode of Fashion Police, where we'll be discussing Melissa Benoist's Supergirl outfit. How do you say that? With ben, somebody ben, Benoist. <laughs> Benoist. I'm going with Benoist. Okay. Along with our star-studded panel of ex-Supergirls, Kara Zorel, Matrix, Linda Danvers, and special guest, Power Girl, Kara Zorrell and Linda Danvers are the same person. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. One was an angel. <laughs> I, I get where you're going. It's very meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and Matt, before we get into what you think of that hemline, the tights, the thigh-high boots, and of course that cape, why don't we talk about what we're excited to read next week? Next week, I'm excited for Surface, number one, written by Ailes Cott with art by Langdon Foss. Here's your solicit. What would happen if Mobius and District 9 had a baby? Doesn't matter. I'm already in. <laughs> Maybe the surface. Welcome to Africa. Ebola is no longer a problem. The West and the East are moving in, and three hacker lovers are searching Tanzania. Hacker lovers. Yeah, hacker lovers. I don't know if they Filthy love hackers hacker lovers. or they're hackers that love each other. I'm not sure. Are searching Tanzania for the place that can change everything. The surface. Art looks amazing. Ailes Cot is kick ass and totally looks like another impenetrable Ailes Cot joint. Can't wait. I love <laughs> impenetrable Ailes Cot joints. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for? Next week, full disclosure, I already read this thanks to the fine folks at Image. Southern Cross number one, written by Becky Cloonan, illustrated by Andy Belanger. I know how to pronounce that thanks to Keith Silva. Belanger. Here's your solicit. Now boarding! <laughs> Southern Cross. Tanker Flight 73 to Titan! Alex Braith is on board, retracing her sister's steps to the refinery moon, hoping to collect her remains and find some answers. Oh, so she did. She dead. The sister is dead. The questions keep coming, though. How did her sister die? Where did her cabin mate disappear to? Let's talk. To, I'd like to per- talk to the person who decided that though and how should be hyphenated. What is that? Yeah, Come on, solicit writers. <laughs> Who is that creep across the hall, and why does she always feel like she's being watched? Inspired by classic mysteries and weird fiction, Southern Cross is a crucible of creeping anxiety and fear as Braith struggles with the ghosts of her past on board a ship that holds secrets best kept buried. Sounds great. The only reason I brought up that I read this in advance is because when this book was announced at the Image Expo. Right. Which one? Last year's or it the doesn't year matter. When it was announced, it was one of the books I was least excited about. I was just like, eh, Becky Clune is not drawing it. Yeah. And we hadn't really read anything she had written at that point either. Not really. Like she co-writes Gotham Academy, but yeah. I think that at the time, either Gotham Academy was brand new or it had not come out yet. I don't believe it had come out yet. This is gonna be a great series. It looks cool. It's very cool, and the art by Andy Belanger is amazing. Put it on your radar. It was not on mine. It should be. Next week, Image Comics, pick it up. THN Trade of the Week goes to The Humans, Volume 1, Humans for Life. This is from Image Comics, written by Keenan Keller, with art by Tom Neely. Here's your solicit. Follow the humans as they deal out beatings, cook drugs, party endlessly, and struggle to keep their turf and status amongst the numerous outlaws, rival gangs, and bona fide killers, all of whom are trying to take their spot at the top of the heap. Ride or die! Read or die! Rip up the streets! Humans for life! Humans till death! That's, it's all caps. I'm just doing my job here. This was the story of the ape biker gang. We reviewed this not too long ago. 
It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> nasty. It's very questionable. A lot of winners in, in it. Humor and nudity. And it reminded me very much of weird old 70s alternative comics. This one's not going to be for everybody because of that. But I thought it was a lot of fun. Check it out. Totes. Head over to the THN forums and let us know what you're pumped to read next week. And of course, your thoughts on the feminine but not hypersexual new Supergirl outfit. Let's talk I, about it for a second. Let's I like it. it. I think she looks fantastic. She looks great. She looks powerful. She looks feminine. She's pretty without being slutty. I mean, she looks She looks great. like a teenage, a young teenage girl superhero. Yeah. I will say that like all DC costumes lately, the colors are very dark. They are. And I don't know if that is just what they're going for or if it's necessity. I, I remember reading a while back, like when they showed Brandon Routh's Superman costume, and the blue was bright yeah. and the red was very dark. I read that it's because, yeah, red is very difficult to animate. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably true. I think it's for reasons such as that, like making the costume so bright and flashy practical. is probably a practical thing. But yeah, I think it looks amazing. She looks kick ass. It's, there are things that, of course, I would like to, that the traditionalist in me would like to see tweaked, like there's no yellow in the S. Eh. Whatever. It, there are hints of it. They got the yellow belt thing, though. That's yeah, yeah. Fun. It's, I think that for a, a, a TV version of a superhero costume, they nailed it. Still think the show is going to be terrible, but she looks good in the costume. I don't know. I'm way more excited for it now than I was before. Ah, please. Greetings, nerds. John from Jersey here calling in to wish you happy anniversary or birthday or whatever the hell you're calling this. You guys are fantastic. Every week I look forward to your show. I used to be a pretty big fanboy <laughs> but on a trip to Disney World which is a 17 hour ride from Jersey I decided to give you guys a shot one time and listen to about 10 episodes in a row and I've been hooked ever since what I love most about your show is how much you engage the listeners and have us call in and view our opinions on everything it's fantastic I love it keep up the great work and until next time make mine two headed Time for another edition of Ask a Nerd, where we dump out the contents of the THN digital mailbag and then pick out a question from one lucky listener. The rest, we don't even bother to read. We just throw them away because they don't mean shit to us. This week, Chris called us via the THN Google voice line, 402-819-4894, with his question. He also sent in an MP3. We're about to see which one's better. Hey there, Joe and Matt. This is Chris in Bellevue, a.k.a. Tenor Jedi on the forums. Sorry if I sound a little bit honky. I just had my sinuses routed. No problem, honky. That's the deal. <laughs> anyway, I had written in uh, Ask a Nerd question, and here it is. I listened to you and Joe talk about uh, the new Miss Marvel comic, and you guys gave it really incredible reviews, thought it was outstanding, so I checked it out on my Marvel Unlimited. What I don't understand about this comic, and I'm not an art guy at all, is I don't get the art. The story is outstanding. Kamala Khan is a fascinating character. I think that she is a great uh, symbol for, for young women. And I love the multicultural diversity of the, of the story. I like that she is just trying to figure out her way in the world. Obviously, it's an inhuman tie-in because Marvel's trying to do away with everything mutant. My, my problem with this book is that I don't understand the art. It really feels blocky. And an odd to me. Now, I've only read what's available on the Marvel Now app, and it's possible the artist has changed. But specifically, there was a, a early on a guest feature with Wolverine, and he just looked like a big Michelin blimp pudge man. Um, <laughs> so perhaps if you guys could explain the nuances of this art so that I can appreciate it um, and better understand what's going on with this book. Appreciate it, guys. Love your show. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, thanks for calling in, Chris. We really appreciate it, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just teasing you, buddy. Man. I'm teasing you. I wish I could have that sinus surgery. I want it so bad. In fact, I might just have Joe take a Dremel tool and go up there and just let's do it. Grind Let's everything do it. out for me. Let's do it when we're done. <laughs> I'll do you next. It'll be perfect. All right. <laughs> we'll never snore again. <laughs> okay, so well, the Wolverine issues he's talking about were a guest artist. Yes. And I'm going to try to figure out who that was. Well, and let's also establish that, yeah, we're going to talk about this, but we're going to talk about maybe some art choices that are made for for several different books that don't necessarily seem typical. 
And I think today we talked about two of those, Jeff Lemire's Descender and Josh Tierney and Afu Chan's Halo Gen, both yeah. of which sci-fi comics. And typically when you think of sci-fi comics, me anyway, I get this very 90s comic book picture in my head of very clean, detailed art. And that's not anyone's fault. That's what we were programmed for in the 90s. Everybody looked the same and everybody was putting out very, very similar looking, hard-edged, hyper-detailed art. And there I was think a definite house style. Yes, and I mean across the board. Marvel, DC, everybody. So I don't think it's your fault when you look at this to say to yourself, this is an odd art choice for a superhero comic. But more and more, Marvel and DC are turning to lesser-known artists, very talented artists, Alphonia, for example, Miss Marvel, and giving them a chance on these books to give it a different look, to make it visually striking in a different way. And honestly, I think that is the result of what's happened at Image Comics over the last 15 years, where Image started off with a bunch of Jim Lee, Rob Field, and Tom McFarlane clones and became something else. They realized that we can give these creators a chance to write any kind of story they want, and it can be amazing. And it absolutely has. And there's a lot of books running an image right now that back in the 90s, as well written as they are, probably wouldn't have sold because the art is different. Marvel and DC are finally catching on to this, and they really are putting out books that are wholly different and, and completely stand out. Right. They're realizing that the audience for these books is not necessarily the same 10 to 50-year-old men. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Marvel is a book that they are definitely marketing towards younger women. Now, anyone can read it and enjoy it, but you can tell they're making a push for a younger female reader. And I think art like this... And I'm not saying that like girls like this art and boys like this art. No, but no, I will no. say that I think girl, that women, especially younger women, may look at art like this and find it a little more appealing than older dudes like you and I, Chris. It's cute, but still well done. It shows action very well, but it's also fun. It's not as serious and detailed and gritty as most of the other male audience driven books. Right. Maybe. The guest artist of Ms. Marvel where Wolverine appeared was Jacob Wyatt, who is somebody I have never heard of. I don't know Jacob Wyatt either. But Adrian Alfona, the book's lead artist, who is still the artist today, he got his start on Runaways uh, by Brian K. Vaughn, and his art was definitely... You can, you can see hints of the artist he is today, back then, and he grew more comfortable with his own style as the years went on. As somebody that dabbles with art from now, uh, now and then, I totally get the appeal of an artist like Adrian Alfona. Absolutely. I, I love his figure drawing and his odd layouts and, and his exaggerated features and the way he caricatures all of the characters. But it's definitely not standard superhero fare. No, it isn't at all. And it's important, I think for companies to realize that not everybody is going to embrace that. For me personally, I will allow an amazing story to kind of transcend the needs of the art, if that makes sense. And it sounds like Chris is doing that too with Ms. Marvel. Like he's not necessarily into it, but he's still enjoying the book. But he likes the book, yes. Okay. So I think as readers... Uh, we need to be a little bit more open-minded to embrace different types of art styles that might not be our normal cup of tea. Also might not be geared directly towards you. If it means enjoying a great story. Right. And this isn't anything new either, I should say. If you look back through comics history, there were artists that popped up on books that people went, this is horrible. I hate this. I don't get it. And later on, they were legends. Guys like Mike Mignola. When he started drawing like New Mutants and X-Men books, people went, what in the f*** is this? Frank Miller, when he started really coming into his style, there were people that criticized him and said, this guy can't draw at all. This is ridiculous. Everyone is blocky and bizarre looking. We look back at books like Sin City and The Dark Knight Returns as legendary. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to look back at Alfona in 10 years ago. Holy crap. But we might. The point being, we don't always as consumers of comics 
get it right away. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I, I, and that's you know We, we talked a, a, a bit about like broadening your eyes and, and all that, but really the bottom line is comic books are a visual medium yes. and also they cost money. And if yeah. you're not into them, then there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also something to be said for Joe and I to realize that as critics, which is what we've become, I'm not saying we're like better than you guys or whatever, but as critics, we read a lot of stuff and we've been reading. I wouldn't comics. go so far as to call us critics, but <laughs> well, I what get what your point. At, while pretending to be critics on go. the internet, Nailed it. <laughs> we read a lot of stuff and we've been reading comics since professional enthusiasts as long as we can possibly remember. Right. So it's easy for us to look at a book like Miss Marvel or the amazing squirrel girl or Batgirl or even like Jeff Lemire's sweet tooth, mm, which yeah. a lot of people just did not get. They looked at the art and went, what is that? You know, or mind management. It's too. very easy to look at sweet tooth and mind management and, and just dismiss them as, as like bad. garbage as like, this looks like crap, Tom, but you really need to know something about, right. About art to, to see what they're doing. Tom Scioli is another perfect example. The guy working on Transformers versus, versus GI Joe right. and Godland. Some people will look at that and go, this guy is terrible. This guy looks like a high school kid scribbling in a notebook, but there is mastery there. And we need to remember that not everybody knows that. And maybe it's important for us to sort of look at it and say, look, give this a chance and you'll figure it out. You'll see what's happening there. It doesn't make you any less intelligent. It just makes us a little more experienced because we've read so much crap. (laughs) Yeah, I guess for me, it's as somebody that's been reading comic books for over 30 years, I was really glad to see kind of a sea change in the sense that more and more art styles are being embraced. Absolutely. Because as much as I loved them still and have loved it, I loved it all my life. You can only read so many comic books that look like they were drawn by John Romita Jr. and Mark Bagley. Yes. And to be fair, there's places where this won't work. There's places like Superman, like the X-Men, like Captain America. You know what? I would actually pay good money to read an Adrian Alfona X-Men book. <laughs> I would check it out, too. But there's places where it's not necessarily. No. Yes. You're, yeah, I totally get it. This, however, I don't feel is one of them. I feel like Miss Marvel, yeah. this is perfect for it. And, you know, as always, I don't feel like we really answered your question, but... We sure discussed it. I think we did talk <laughs> about it. But, yeah, I, the bottom line for me is that you've got to spend money on it, and it's up to you to decide whether or not it's worth it. And if you don't think it's worth it, then that's you're right. And if you don't like it, you're right. That's fine. For me, though... I, I happen to love it. I think it's very dynamic and colorful and exciting to look at. So you're wrong. And it totally suits <laughs> the tone of Ms. Marvel. Yes. Thanks for your question, Honky, and for keeping highfalutin comic snobs like us grounded. If you've got a comic-themed question you'd like to hear answered on the show, hit us up on the forums, drop us an email, or give us a call, and you could be internet famous just like Chris. Get ready for the sex heaven, buddy. It's going to be nuts. Hey, this is Brett Merriman. We wanted to wish a happy 200th episode to the nerdiest of two-headed creatures, Joe and Matt. Uh, Thank you so much for the hard work you guys have been putting in. It is an amazing podcast. Listen to it every week. I've listened to 194 episodes. Let's just say that. Pretty excited that you guys are here today, right? Happy birthday, guys. Bye. Sort of break it down like this. And that is it for the 200th, fourth birthday episode of Two-Headed Nerd. It sounds like we had 200 fourth birthdays. Isn't that fun? (laughs) If you like self-congratulatory shows as much as we obviously do, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, but we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, or your hearts, because it helps us connect with other potential listeners just like you. Thank you to all of our donors and supporters. And if you want to keep us in Batman-themed birthday cake and He-Man party hats, you can do so by clicking our four-year-old PayPal button. He's adorable. At 2 nerd.com. it has not been clicked nearly enough times for being so old. I know. Isn't that sad? <laughs> and if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. As little as a buck a month really does help us. If you're interested in sponsoring this toddler of a podcast, shoot us an email with the subject line sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, and Skype. And our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. 
You'll notice I said Tumblr. I post an outtake of the week every week. It's good stuff. Matt resurrected the Tumblr that I started and yeah. only posted two, three times. I could, I found it. It was like, oh, we have this? Yep. <laughs> Using this list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd question or trivia. You can defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed judge for our Defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, pooped into a big boy toilet, whatever. <laughs> what? And don't Whoa. forget to go sign up for the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, learn more about our segments and how you can become a part of them, wish us a happy belated birthday, or just rap about comics. Speaking of the forums, Maharjan, one of our buddies, is on the forums stating the fact that he doesn't know dick about anime slash manga. Some friends have repeatedly suggested he give Gundam a shot. There seems to be a lot of history, and it intimidates him a great deal. Not sure if it's all tied together, if there's a modern jump on point, a la Doctor Who. Guys, somebody get on the forums and talk to this guy. I know you're out there, one of you guys, putting yeah. together your Gundam model right now, going, oh, oh, oh. That's your chance to shine, nerd. <laughs> If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Remember to follow Twitter Nerd on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. Your two-minute answers. <laughs> every Wednesday. But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to twoheadednerd.com and check out everything that we have got going on in there. It's going to be a little bit different than usual. Why? We're going to get to that in a second. What's going on? We're going to get to it in a second. Okay. Are we, are we getting rid of the website? We're seeing <laughs> a renaissance. Wooly Toots was inspired to write something. Oh, my God. Uh, Kevin Coffey wrote something. You can't get that guy to do shit. <laughs> I know. And. <laughs> And I just found a review of Aquaman Throne of Atlantis that I totally forgot that I think Hebrews sent to me. Whoa. I need to get it up. I'm get sorry. Up I forgot. Joe Patrick has a lot of trouble getting it up, folks. Next week, the comic pushers are back, forcing highly addictive funny books on the youth of America. So let us know if you're looking for a new read. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Anthony Mathers, a.k.a. The Credible Hulk, who, I'm sorry, after two years... And dozens of posts. Whew, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Turned in his final column for THN last week. Thank you for your loyal service, Tony. We'll be sure to hose the stink out of your old sex kennel before moving in the next poor sucker. I believe I wrote stank. You know what? It was tough, but I took him out back and shot him because he was my dog. <laughs> it was our responsibility. Tony, we'll miss you, buddy. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Because if you don't, your retailer just might drug you and keep you captive in their that own will not, sex kennel. That will not happen. You don't know. <laughs> I you do. don't know. I do know. This is a two-headed nerd thanking every one of you that called in with your birthday wishes. That is so sweet of you guys. We love you all. Happy birthday to us. Don't call and sing happy birthday because there's nothing I hate more than the birthday song. This is the two-headed nerd. We don't have the rights to play it anyway. Signing off. Cost money. We don't have the rights to play anything we play on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it's uh, Toots here to say congratulations on making it to episode 200. Over 200 episodes, really, dude, if you count in all your um, Answer of the Week episodes. Uh, I wanted to take this time also to thank you for letting me uh, be guest host from time to time. I'm always very excited and honored to uh, fill one of the shoes of you two guys whenever... Uh, it's needed. I love the show. I've been a listener since the very first episode. Keep it up, guys. Hurrah.